Welcome to the First Player Token Podcast, a short podcast for folks who enjoy playing board games with family and friends. I'm your host, Derek Bruff. In this episode, we learn about an upcoming game about building mountains and seeking knowledge in Oros. I'm departing from my usual practice of reviewing games I know and love in this episode. Instead, we're going to learn about a game I haven't actually played yet because it hasn't been published. Back in September 2021, I had the chance to travel to Indianapolis and attend Gen Con, one of the world's largest board game conventions. There were a lot of board game publishers at Gen Con showing off their latest games, and I had a blast wandering the convention hall among the big booths checking out all these new games. However, one of the most interesting games I saw was tucked away in one of the smaller rooms. It was the first game, not even out yet, from a brand new publisher. The visual design of the game caught my eye, and as I eavesdropped on other convention goers playing the game, I knew I wanted to learn more. Oros is a 2-4 player game, which takes its name from the geological term orogenesis, the process of mountain building when two tectonic plates collide. In the game, players take turns shifting and colliding tiles on a shared map, representing the movement of tectonic plates in the ocean, moving over hotspots and erupting volcanoes. Each player shepherds the development of a group of people inhabiting these new and evolving islands, with the goal of creating mountains for their people to climb and seek knowledge. There are several different ways to attain knowledge in the game, and the player with the most knowledge points at the end of the game wins. Brant Brinkerhoff is the designer, artist, publisher, and everything else for the game Oros, the first game from his company Ash Games. That's Ash spelled A-E-S-C. That's the name of that funny character you've probably seen that combines the vowels A and E. In typography, it's called a ligature, and it joins A and E along a shared stem. See, Brant Brinkerhoff is a graphic designer by trade, so he knows a few things about typography. He named his company Ash Games because, as he says on his website, quote, We believe a great game should work similarly by bringing together thematics, mechanics, and aesthetics into a unique and elegant play experience. I was so taken by Oros without even playing it that I sat down with Brant and interviewed him about the game and his experience designing it. The game had raised almost $300,000 on Kickstarter the month before we talked, and Brant talked about the origin of the game, the design process, including how the game's graphic design influenced its game mechanics, and vice versa, and the next steps in the publishing process. Here's Brant Brinkerhoff of Ash Games from Gen Con 2021 in Indianapolis. Tell me who you are and, 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 and what's on the table in front of us. All right, so I'm Brant Brinker. I'm the creator of Oros. Oros launched on Kickstarter about four weeks ago, so it closed up just then. Uh, and then right now it's in the late pledge phase. Oros is a tile-shifting, mountain-making, volcano-erupting game. <laughs> so all the mechanics are based on plate tectonics. Oh, and then okay. there's like this anthropological theme that's also boiled into the top of it. And those two things are kind of colliding together to create this like really intricate type of game and play experience. So uh, it does a lot of things that are really unique in that mm-hmm. like you're shifting things and you're colliding things um, and you're building up mountains and that's the name of the game is Oros which means mountain. So oh. the whole game is about mountains, it's your focus on mountains, you're okay. trying to build mountains, you're trying to build sacred sites on mountains so you can get wisdom and knowledge up in those, you know, those lofty yeah. peaks. 
And so it's all centers around like making the mountains and then using them to basically create an economy. You're using your uh, your wisdom to create this economy to become more powerful to do you know make more mountains. Nice. And then you nice. you know get more power to get yeah. more mountains. So, so where where did the idea for this game come from? So this game has been under development for like five years. So it's gone through multiple waves of changes. <laughs> Back in the original day, it was just a map with tiles, right? And it was really it was just kind of like a almost like a labyrinth type of okay. game. Have you ever played that type of game? Yeah. You know, you're like you're just kind of shifting okay. things. And that's all you're really doing, shifting tiles and trying to like make little formations of stuff. Um, and so from that point, so, so that's really where it started, just like this kind of plate tectonics, like shift land. Yeah. And from there it has evolved and like became like, okay, so how do I have this power? Well, I must have like some sort of godlike power, right? Like, okay, so if, I'm, if I've got like power, then like what's, what's the story behind that, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Why, like why am I doing this? For what purpose? And that's where like the... The followers who are going to the mountains, like all that stuff, starts to build into it a whole lot, and so it's kind of it's one of those funny things. It's not it's not like you you thought of this game one day, right? <laughs> right. And you made it, and yeah. it's like no, absolutely not. You know, it's yeah. taken five years to yeah. get to the point, um, and, and like hundreds of hundreds of rounds of changes wow. and play tests, and um, to getting it to the point where it's at today. So. Yeah. Did that answer that question? Your, that was I think counting. so. This is your first game. First right? game, yeah. This yeah. is the first design, correct. So had you been playing board games for a while and just decided to tinker with one of your own? Yeah, so I've always been a big board game enthusiast. I think probably since I was in like high school and my, you know, my mom got me Settlers of Catan for Christmas or something <laughs> like that, right? Like That can be transformative. Right? Yeah. Like it was, yeah. it, Because honestly, like that was that game where you play it and you're like, this isn't a board game like I'm used to, right? Like yeah. this, is, this, is a, this is a real game. And that's when you kind of that's when it kind of started clicking, and you start getting more obsessed with like, what other games are like this? Because this is so much better than playing Sorry every weekend, <laughs> right, you know. Right. So that's where that kind of started. And so I've been a big game enthusiast for a really long time, but I had never. Uh, and then I'm a professional graphic designer, so that's what I do professionally. Okay, okay yeah. so it's a useful um, skill set for this. Yeah, exactly. And so I've and. 20 years of doing graphic design work, right? So I've been in that, that industry for a really long time. I've been a creative creating things. I've been a gamer gaming and never had those two things ever yeah. like crossed yeah. until this idea was born. And this was actually this map and the level tile shifting was actually a neighbor of mine had like, he, he loved to make little like little games and things okay. like that. And he had this idea and when he was explaining it to me, I was like, like, like mind blown. It's like, hold on a second, hold on. Like, you've got something way bigger than right. just like. I think there's a board just game like there. a map that's shifting. Like, what if things collided? What if you were making things bigger? What if you were making mountains? What if there were earthquakes? What if there were volcanoes? And he was like, okay, hold on. Like, if you can make a game, go make a game. Yeah. And so that's really what kind of set me on the path. Like, never had I thought like, I have all of the skill set to do this. And I have a passion for it, and I should do something about that. Yeah. It never crossed my mind until yeah. it was like, you should make a board game, because clearly you've got like ideas on how to do this. Yeah. And that's really where it's like, that's the whole thing that started. Yeah. And then from there, it's just like, once you start, you can't, you don't ever get to stop. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> right. Right? Like yeah. you play, you play test, and then you're like, oh, that's broken. Well, I guess I better fix it. Like right. I don't just stop. I guess I'm going to fix it. So, yeah. 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 And it just keeps going and going and going. And while I was doing that I was also illustrating the whole thing and doing all the design work right. like, as it was being developed because yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I really feel like especially when you're play testing I mean you can definitely play test on little scraps of paper and right. it's going to work mechanically yeah. but you're going to burn through your play testers because right. 
they want a good experience. Right. Right. Exactly. And so if your game is still a little rough, but it's it looks good, they still like there's this thing with like good looking things. Yeah. That people are like you know that was still fun. Like right. I still enjoyed myself because it looks again. good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the least you know at least there's that <laughs> side. So I just kept like designing it as I was developing it. Which I think also helps, when, especially when it comes to like the symbology, all the icons oh, yeah, that yeah. are in use, right? Like you can test them and see if like, did you understand it? Yeah, right. That's and, a real important and change part of it. it. And like, so not waiting to the end to like right. just do artwork and treat iconography as if it were artwork. Like actually using it as playtesting yes. was really valuable because yeah. it helped to like validate things. So I don't know. I feel like the design process is like. It's not just the game design process, like the actual graphic design process actually really aided in how the game was developed. We often think about like mechanics and theme, right? Yeah. But the the visual design is often connecting those in really important ways. It makes, yeah, yeah, you're totally right, right? Like, so like a lot of times, yeah, yeah, the mechanics sometimes only make sense because visually you've made it make sense, Yeah. right? Or, Or at least that's where like the intuitive like it becomes intuitive only because like visually it's intuitive. Yeah. Because otherwise it's a hard complex, uh, like it's a hard concept. But like visually you've simplified it and so people yes. are like, yes. I know what that means. Yes. And that's really like these player mats. Um, I had just recently redesigned some of these to like break these things up a bit and try a few new symbols. And so even playing here at Gen Con has been really validating uh, because yeah. um, this used to have words explaining a lot of the concepts because okay. they were kind of hard concepts. Yeah. And so I worked on these like icons that would more like act like pictographs. Yeah. That yeah, would yeah. like actually diagram what that action is right there on the player yeah. mat. And it simplified the look of the mats. And I was kind of like holding my breath, like, <laughs> I hope people are like, okay, right. understanding. And like, everybody's yeah. like, oh, this must work like this. I'm like, uh, you're right. Yeah. And like, oh, this must mean that. And like, yep. okay, you did it. Yeah. Like, it works. It like, kind of teaches itself at some yeah, point. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's perfect. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm a yeah. big fan of the graphic design side of the. That's really great. Like, a big believer. My wife is an artist. And um, one of the things she does on the podcast is she will offer color commentary on the games. Nice. And I mean that literally. Yeah, like <laughs> right? the she, commentary on color. On the color, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 She, would, she would love that. And she finds, yeah, if the game has really good visuals and iconography that help Absolutely. convey meaning, she can pick it up a lot yeah. faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's super helpful. So, you were, before I turned the microphone on, you were about to talk about. Almost a, like a storytelling piece to the game. Yeah, right? kind of a beginning, middle, and end. Okay, I'm, I'm so yeah, about that because I think I think a good game does have an arc to it. Yeah, absolutely. So in this game, especially, and and it, it's actually visualized on one of the components, the uh, this little ascension track component, which okay. has a like little step temple uh, visual that's on it. Or and so it's it's like it acts as a timer, and so a lot of people see it and they're like score track, right. but like often the person at the top is not the person who's going to win the game okay. so it's not a score track at all it's really you're, it's a, the timer of the game but the way that it's visualized it has these two red dots and those red dots um, there's one on the five there's one on the ten and then it's going to end at fifteen so it's divided into three segments of five and so uh, you can think of the game just like a game of chess where it has an opening a middle game an end game and the opening is often like okay I'm getting on the map I'm getting a mountain formed and I'm building something and that's all that's happening, and that building is moving you forward. And that's what everybody's just trying to do. Get on a mountain and build something. Don't even worry about like your powers yet. Yeah. Don't worry about like where you're going. Don't worry about where people are situated. Just build something. Once you pass that five, once someone hits five, now you're entering middle game. Now it's like, okay, strategically, how do I invest my wisdom mm. so I can be as lean as possible 
because I want to save as much of that wisdom to get pushed to points okay. rather than to power. Yeah. Right? Because you've got this like dichotomy of points versus power. Like, which one am I going to invest in? And so, if through the whole middle game, it's like, okay, what powers am I going to need to deal with the map state, do what I need to do to be able to get to that 10 mark? And once someone hits that 10 mark, then you're transitioning to end game. Now you're like, okay, now how do I convert everything I did with my power uh, yeah. into points? Right. right. So now you're like, okay, I got to shift over to the point side. And so it helps mm. players, especially when I explain, like, you've got different segments. So just watch where other people are. Once someone hits 10, you know, don't invest in, like, erupting another volcano. Like, it's right. not going to help you. Go <laughs> get points. Like, figure out how you're going right. to get points in yeah, the game. Yeah. And so the visuals, again, the visuals are kind of like giving you an arc during the game. And yeah. it helps you know, like, when you need to transition yeah, as a player yeah. for what you're doing. It's like having a sense of time, you know, yeah, you're yeah, stuck yeah. in a line and you're sure. like, is this going to be 40 minutes or is it going to be four hours? Right. And it drives people crazy, right? Yes. But and once all, you know. Once you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to do for three hours. Right. Okay, yeah. I've got three hours to burn. Okay. What am I going to do for three hours, right. you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it helps people kind of stay calm. And so I think like games that do that, I appreciate it. Yeah. When yeah, you're yeah. like, I can see the end and I know when it's going to happen. And I'm not like. Oh, like, I should have done oh. this three turns ago. What do you yeah. mean you're done? I had like six more moves that I needed before I got that far, yeah, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. what games do you like to play other than your own? All right, so what are some games you like. And do you have kids? I have four kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, I'll play do they with play? them. Yeah. yeah, usually like every Sunday is like family game. You yeah. know, we'll all at least play a game together, um, and they love. And, and my wife will only play like lighter games. I sure. love like more medium heavy games. Yeah. I don't like games that take six hours to play. Right. It's, a, it's the whole time thing, right? right? It's like this game is eternal, it will never <laughs> end. But games that are like the heavier Euros, um, I love games. Like Concordia is my all time favorite game okay. ever. Yeah. Like, I like, it's such a perfectly mechanically tight game that I just like, <laughs> I, could, I could sit down and play Concordia anytime with anybody. Um, but like the family uh, will play all sorts of games. We'll play parks. We'll play. Yeah. Uh, um, they love Ticket to Ride. Can't get yes. away from it. They all yeah. love Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. Solid um, game. Yeah. Um, we just got Cascadia, and all of them like love Cascadia. Okay. If you haven't yeah. tried Cascadia yeah. yet, like I got to watch my friend play it because I got to game night 15 minutes late. Oh man! <laughs> but it's it looked good. A, it's, so, it's like so simple. Yeah. Like you don't have to think too much, you know. But there's still some really great crunchy little yeah, like moments yeah. that you're like. All right, I'm gonna you know get my points this way or that way, and so like they love those types of games. They're like just simple, simple mechanics, and you know they're good for family stuff. They love Caputo Sumo too. That we got that. Oh, like, I've seen that. Yeah. Oh my goodness, they'll play that. All the kids, especially the young ones, they're just like, I'm playing a sumo game. <laughs> you know, they just want to shove wood yeah, pieces at each other yeah, and yeah. drop them off. So what's next for Oros? Okay, so uh, the Kickstarter ended a month ago, so now I'm entering into the whole phase of I gotta finalize all the files, I'm lining up licensing, you know, arrangements, figuring out how this thing's gonna get distributed, if it's gonna get distributed, um, lining up all of the manufacturing, all that stuff. So right. really it's like, uh, right now the game has, that uh, was launched on Kickstarter is all like, it's the base game, right? right. So all the player mats are uh, the playmats are all symmetric, you know, and uh, so it's a really strong base game, but it's one of those games that just has this potential oh, to you're thinking expand about expansions. in like a lot of different ways. Yeah. You can expand into asymmetry, you can expand into different modules, you can span, expand into like, um, like 
like where you like add components in, you know, like extra components and things like that. And the Kickstarter also comes actually with one of those like mini expansion concepts okay. that was part of the thing, those, um, including uh, the Grand Mountain Tile. So expansions, you know, there'll be more coming with that. Yeah. Um, and then also another game that I'm working on. That's, you know, that's going to start... In the pipeline? Yeah, that's, that's going to start snowballing. My wife's going <laughs> to kill me because she's like, you got to stop this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's like, these are really good ideas and they're, you know, they're unique games, especially this. It's just such an unusual game. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, it's so unique in how it plays. Basically, like every reviewer who ever played it was like, I don't have anything on. I don't have that's anything great. like it. I've yeah, never seen yeah. it. I've never, yeah. I don't have a game like this on my shelf. Um, so it's, it's almost like, well, how can you stop something that's like <laughs> uh, a gem? You know, right. you gotta polish it. You gotta keep and you gotta it, get it get out know, there get in the it world. In the museum. Yeah. So nice. exactly. So it's like you can't stop. You just gotta go. <laughs> I love it. Gotta keep going. <laughs> well, thanks. Oh yeah, you bet. Yeah, this has been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for talking with me. <laughs> that was Brant Brinkerhoff, designer of the game Oros, and mastermind behind its publisher, Ash Games. I was struck in that interview about the role that the visual design of a game can play in helping players learn the game. Brant mentioned Parks by Keymaster Games, which we reviewed here on the podcast back in episode 7. Emily and I have an early copy of Parks before they revised some of its iconography. In our copy, the icons for Gain a Canteen and Fill a Canteen aren't intuitive, and we'll sometimes get confused about which action we can take. Keymaster wisely revised those icons in future editions of the game. I've seen the new icons, and they're much clearer. For games like Parks and Oros, where players have a lot of different kinds of actions they can take, the visual design of the game can do a lot to make the game easier to learn, and thus more fun to play. I missed the Kickstarter for Oros, and I don't usually back games on Kickstarter unless I have a good reason to believe they'll be worth playing, like if I'm familiar with the designer or the publisher. But after talking with Brant at Gen Con, I went on the Ash Games website and put in what's called a late pledge for the game. So I'll get a copy at some point in 2022 with all the other Kickstarter backers. As I record this in November 2021, late pledges for the game are still open, so head on over to the Ash Games website if you'd like to pre-order Oros. That's the last of my Gen Con interviews for the podcast. Thanks again to Keymaster Games for the chance to attend Gen Con and work their booth a few hours every day. Hopefully I'll be able to go back next year and snag some more great interviews for the podcast. That's it for this episode of the First Player Token Podcast. See the show notes for more information about Oros, as well as a link to the podcast's Facebook group and our First Player Token coffee mugs. And if you found one of our game recommendations useful, would you share the podcast with a friend or review it on your favorite podcast app? That would mean a lot. I've been your host, Derek Bruff. Thanks for listening. Now it's time to play some games. <laughs>